Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Black British Lives Matter, the podcast. I'm Lenny Henry. And I'm Marcus Ryder. This is the podcast where we explore why and how Black British Lives Matter, acknowledging and dealing with the racism we face, but wanting to go far deeper than that, exploring what it means to be black and British, our culture, our joy and our pain, and building on our book, Black British Lives Matter, available now in all good bookshops. Marcus, tell us what you've been up to and what we have in store today. Well, Lenny, while your back was turned, I recorded an episode all by myself and decided to explore black British hair matters. Well, how, how could you even be doing that? You ain't got no hair. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that with the utmost respect. <laughs> well, you know, I, I might be challenged, but, you know, I think I... anyway, let me continue reading this intro. I, uh, I explored yeah. what our hair says about our identity, the politics of hair, the role hair plays in binding our communities from the barbershop to the hair salon, the economics of black hair. It is quite literally a multi-pound industry and also explored the racism that surrounds black hair. All right. I'm still trying to get over the fact that you're flying solo and have no hair, but I guess I will just have to get over that. So who do you talk to on this podcast about black British hair matters without me? I'm vexed, you know. Not to rub it in but I had two amazing guests. Hmm. The first was Stephanie Cohen from the Halo Collective. The Halo Collective is an alliance organisation and was set up to fight discrimination against black hair, rallying around what's called the Halo Code, a campaign pledge signed by schools and businesses that promises members of the black community that they have the, quote, freedom and security to wear all Afro hairstyles without restriction or judgment, end quote. And I also spoke with filmmaker Kevin Morosky, who made a series of films called Wool for Lush, which focuses on a different aspect of black hair, including history, self-image, experimentation, and self-love. They're really good films. Sounds great. I started off by asking both of them the most basic of questions. Why does black British hair matter? Have a listen. Stephanie Cohen from the Halo Collective. Kevin Morosky, filmmaker and director of Nestled. Welcome. I want to start by asking you both the most simple of questions. Why does black British hair matter? Who wants to take it first? Um, I can go. Go for it. Okay, go ahead, yeah, Stephanie. Um, thank you so much, Marcus. Um, there are many reasons for why black hair matters, um, purely because it's obviously different and unique to this, the person, but um, it relates to people's identity, the way in which you express yourself through your hair, um, and it has a lot of historical significance. If we look back um, at history, people have used um, hair as a symbol of family, culture, 
growth and um, societal kind of like values. For example, I read recently that cornrows represent agriculture and order, which is an amazing thing to go, you know, pre-slavery times to date back into what we found as a cultural bonding and activity as well, just through hair. It's amazing to just think that it means so much to people, including me. It means so much. Um, yeah. So cornrows is actually a, a nod to our... Yeah. agricultural history exactly so it represents stuff that we did um well before you know colonialism and everything just within communities and things that we could share together to kind of represent what we did and why we did it okay that's amazing kevin simple question why yeah. does black british hair matter uh, saying thank you for having me um i think just to um add on to what stephanie said i i think it matters to us from a space of um, self-care. And what I mean by that is I think we're all aware <laughs> of the country that we live in and uh, um, the things that are kind of going on and have been going on. Um, we definitely have more spaces today via internet to uh, find um, camaraderie, find allies um, and find our voices. But if you think back, or if at least I think back to like my mum's young early days here there was none of that so there were certain spaces where we could only express ourselves truly um, and fall in love with ourselves and remember that we are worthy of love and all of those good things so for me um, speaking about uh, black hair it's specifically a space of self-care and self-worthiness if that makes sense it does but i'm gonna go on <laughs> put, it, put it a bit more so when you say it's about worthiness can can you explain that what do you mean yeah i think if you look in uh the media in in general especially for black women as well i i think the message is very much that um you're very lucky to be here um to be in britain to be in britain mm -hmm. um to have the opportunities i'm doing the finger thing by the way uh, <laughs> that you have um there is no need for you to complain about um uh gender um wage gap specifically through a black female lens. There's no need. You're you're lucky to be here. You're you're. It's great for you. It's like no, like nothing is actually fair. There are no at the moment, um, no kind of level kind of ground. So while we are fighting that fight and having those conversations, there has to be a space for um, rest and reflection and reminding yourselves as well as each other. No, there is a reason why we are fighting for this. We are worthy of all of the things. We are worthy of equal treatment. Um, and I think black hair is one of those things. Okay. So I didn't think I was going to jump to this so quickly, but talking about intersectionality then, because you were talking about the difference between black women and white women and making sure that we have a space where that difference is recognized. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, even though Kevin brought it up, I think it's only appropriate that I ask you, Stephanie. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. How does hair play into that intersectionality the difference between um black women's needs or concerns and issues versus white women i think it's the way in which we perceive what's professional i'll go to it straight away because we've seen eurocentric values being heightened um for example if you have straight hair or you know white features you're seen as professional 
pure and civil and respected in society. And this stems all the way back to slavery, just in the way in which um, black people and black women in particular who often express their hair a little more. I'm not going to say it's not as important as black men, but we have seen it heightened in black women purely because of the way in which we kind of signify beauty in, in our hair. So it is very difficult for a black woman when, for example, me, when I was preparing for a university interview, um, one of my sixth form teachers said to me, make sure your hair is, is straight and tied back. We don't want it frizzy or anything like that. I didn't question it there and then because I did not know about the intersections and everything to do with hair relating to race and the way in which we are perceived as women, especially in those environments where, you know, you're seen to kind of like progress your career. So, yeah, it's it's one of those things that we have to properly think about. What hairstyle am I going to do for this interview and how are they going to perceive me because of my hairstyle? So you're saying that when you're going to apply for university, your mm-hmm. teacher directly said that you needed to, that your hairstyle mm-hmm. and having a more European type of hairstyle would directly help you get a university place. Yeah, that was essentially what she was saying at the time. Now, Kevin, this is a podcast. You have um, beautiful, well-manicured dreads. Locks, 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 locks. locks. Oh, locks. Can, yeah. Tell me the difference between locks and dreads. So there, I think I'll start off by saying that two things can be true at the same time, right? So there are a number of people who um, really enjoy the title of dreads and dreadlocks, and they have a story behind it or a meaning behind it. Uh, for me, in my research, especially when I first started my locks, uh, what I learned was that um, there was a term of a, when slaves were brought over, the kidnapped were brought over, um, it, it wasn't a cruise ship. They were just flung into uh, bottoms of ships and left for months and months on end. And at the other end, no space to kind of wash or look after themselves and all of these things. So um, at the end of that um, journey, your hair would be knotted and natty um, um, and dreaded. And there was a term of, oh, look at those dreadful locks. Mm-hmm. Look at the dreadful locks. Dreadful locks, dreadlocks, dreadlocks, dreadlocks. Um and it was my um, hairdresser that taught me that when I said that, and she hit me in my head with a comb, and she was like, listen, let me tell you, go and read this and do this and look at this, and I went off um, and found. So from then, I've always just used the term locks. Now, there are people who are of um, the Rastafarian um, religion who will tell you a completely um, different tale of where the term dreadlocks comes from, and I don't know it off by heart, and I don't practice that religion, so... Um, I would hate to bastardize it and try to explain it. So as I said, um, two things can exist at the same time or two ideas can or two feelings can. For me personally, I just prefer locks. Okay. So let me rephrase the question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Having locks, do you think that's impacted on your career or times when people think that you're not professional? Um, Yeah, I I think they've attempted to. I, I think my, um, A, I think my privilege as um, a man impacts um, the impact that they are trying to have. And two, um, to be very honest, as we said off air, I'm from Fort Heath, so I have a certain temperament. Um, you can't really take me for an idiot like that. I just won't have it. Um, my journey started from a space, though, um, very similar to yours, where I had heard certain things like, oh, go and get, make sure you get your hair cut so you look mm-hmm. presentable and, like, you look smart. Mm-hmm. And then one day I was like, um, what can my hair do if I, if it, like, what, what can my hair <laughs> do if I just let it grow, like, and look after it? And um, 
so I did. And that was in 2015. So for me, uh, to answer your question, has it impacted? Um, yeah, people have made comments. Um, I've definitely put people in their place. Uh, it is a constant conversation. I think after the mirac- miraculous events of 2020, when people realized racism was a real thing, people have finally stopped trying to just touch my hair for no reason. Um, although people still go through that, which is wild within itself. So I'm jumping around my questions because you just keep sorry, going to different uh, sorry, issues. Sorry. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Okay. No, it's wonderful. Because I was going to ask just how important, and this was kind of question number seven it was going to be, but <laughs> you know, here we go. Um, I was going to ask just how important the hair salon or the black barbershop is to the black community, but I think I'll add to that. How essential is it? Are those institutions, are those things to the black community but also, are they problematic? So I'll ask mm-hmm. Stephanie first, and then I'll come to you, Kevin. Mm-hmm. I'd say they are really meaningful to the black community just because it's a space where people often relate to each other to do with their hair. We can talk about, you know, the differences in, in the coil and curl patterns, like the whole, you know, 3A to, to 4C coil kink thing. And I didn't know about that until I started, like, fully recognising and looking can, up Can you explain hair. that? Yeah, so 3A is is kind of like loose curls like waves Mm -hmm. and then if you go to four that's when you have the kinky coils very like tighter curls um i myself have three b three c hair it's a mixture um so that way nice (laughs) that way you can kind of see how to maintain your hair because black hair has the susceptibility to break right so it doesn't retain moisture as much as like white straight hair so we need to um keep like moisturizing it with water with you know different oils depending on what your preference is for me i like to have like really nice smelling products because i want my hair to smell nice but that also comes at a cost sometimes because it may not protect your hair as much as castor oil for example which personally i don't like that smell but um i use coconut oil for anyone wondering um (laughs) um but yeah i think barbershops especially for my dad and um you know that part of my family for for men they they like hanging out and just talking about their hair and just talking about their families as well so i feel like it's a social experience as well as a oh i can talk about my hair you know with a lot of freedom and stuff and people can actually relate to what i'm talking about here and also give tips and advice because i feel like it's not really universally given for me i had to look up youtube videos to look after my hair because i had no idea like my mum, she's south asian so she, she has straight hair so it was very difficult for her to know um, how to look after my hair so it was me and my sister kind of researching and my dad not really known because he's always had like a small kind of high top afro so yeah I think to answer your question about barbershops yeah I think they're very meaningful places especially when you want to relate to someone um, when they're doing their hair. No for, I mean to echo that for me it was essential in me mm. discovering and exploring my my black identity mm. I grew up um, in a in a white neighborhood in mm. in North London and it wasn't until I went to a black barbershop mm. that that was, and other things as well, but that was absolutely key. And I remember, um, you know, certain seminal moments of playing chess with my barber and, and mm. beating him and so therefore getting the, the haircut for free, you know, and <laughs> um, other, you know, mad stories and people wandering into the barbershop from off the street and, you know, then trying to, you were talking about Rastafarianism, trying to uh, remember Dread coming in and um, talking about why 
you know, what we were all doing was wrong and we should all be um, rest, resters. You know, it's all those, you know, <laughs> and it's all those crazy moments, but it was exposing me to different parts of my black community and a bonding experience. But I'm a straight guy. It didn't challenge me. And so I'm really curious as to the points that you were making, Kevin. I agree with everything both of you said, and I had all of the, not chest, but I, I had most of those um, experiences because you, you, you know, you find your barber and you're like, right, I, you're, I like the way that you deal with me and, and you don't break halfway through my haircut to go and get um, a patty. Like you actually finish my haircut, right? We've all been there, We've man. All been, it's, it's a lot, like. You know, but I say I say that with a smile on my face. If you can't hear it in my monotone voice and uh, with fondness, um, but yeah, all of those things are true, and I have loads of those experiences. But there were also moments of just like really like problematic behaviour and conversations that aren't right, you know. And even looking back, um, even looking back um, at the times that I was in the barber chair and those things, I think it was even probably more frustration, frustration, even more frustrating because I think we have a lot more language now and understanding of the things that we have always been trying to say. And so I say all of that to basically say that while in that barber chair and those conversations were going on, it'd be a life I sat here and was like, yes. And in 1994, I completely (laughs) understood feminism and, and what it was to be sexist and la, 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 la. There were jokes that I definitely probably laughed at because I thought I had to. And bit by bit, you kind of understand and, and grow. I, I think the main thing for me with barbershops and, and black hair salons and spaces is there are moments, yes, where we can go in there and bond over beautiful things. And I just want more of that because very often, sometimes what we do bond over in black and brown communities is the trauma. And actually, we're allowed to bond over the beautiful things as well and make space to bond over those things. Oh, that's, that's beautifully put because part of writing and editing the book Black British Lives Matter and this podcast is that we didn't want to be defined by, by racism. That does not mean that right. we want to try and deny racism and we want to address it. Right. But we didn't want yeah, identity to be defined by the, racism. Yeah, because the goal isn't to get to where we're trying to get to of equality and be tired and dead out and not actually see uh, the fruits of our labour. It's to get there and be like, right, we've corrected this. Mm-hmm. We're all healthy. We're all ready for this soft life. We're all ready <laughs> to enjoy the thing. It's not to get there and like, you know, and we've seen that in our grandparents and older generation where by the time like they get to towards the end of their their lives, especially with like um, two of the most important people to me, my grandparents who are no longer here, they worked like all of their lives to protect and empower their family. And by the end of it, when they should be at that age and just resting and enjoying their grandkids and all of the things they have helped build to pass on to their families, their bodies are broken and they're tired emotionally, Mm -hmm. mentally and all of the things. And, I don't envision that future for me or for anyone around me. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's not okay. You've both got natural hair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so possible controversial question, because you both talked about pride and accepting yourself. Can you be proud in your black identity 
if you do not wear your hair naturally? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. People can people can well, like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. I I think you can be proud in your black identity, no matter what you lose fifty percent of our viewers if you'd given the wrong answer. No, no matter okay. what you do with your, <laughs> I hope not. Um, no matter what you do with your hair, as long as you feel comfortable with it. It's like people have different reasons for not wearing their natural hair for straightening it. They might find you know they like it aesthetically, or they just they just want to straighten it because it's easier to to kind of like do your hair in in that time or that space of time and also some people wear weaves and protective hairstyles like braids because it protects their hair so weaves especially um from what i've heard because i personally haven't worn one um people wear that yeah to to maintain their hair Mm. and also to just kind of like give their natural hair a break really um and yeah also just aesthetically for for you know purposes of 100% yeah I, I agree 100% anything I do is black end of conversation yeah, it's very anything true. I do is black and that's definitely from two perspectives as in like a very problematic racist but oh the black da 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 cool stay over there <laughs> but for me like I'm really proud of everything that I do and I will attach my blackness to it and I will also attach my queerness to it mm-hmm. anything I do is black and queer and it's very beautiful and so what's our relationship to wigs Black black women, people in particular, or mm-hmm. just in general? Black um, women in, in particular. So maybe I should ask Stephanie mm. first. I'll say quickly, I, I think we have like, a different yeah, relationship yeah. to wigs than... Or do we? I, I, I assume we have a different no, relationship I think to wigs. I think it's changed. I think okay. um, historically you'll probably know... Well, you definitely will, will know um, about mm-hmm. this as well, just because of your work. But um, what we need to understand is certain hairstyles. We, we were like barred from going to work professionally unless mm-hmm. our hair looked a certain way which is where perms wigs come into it um what we started to do i would say stop me if i'm wrong and interrupt me what i what i feel like has started to happen is we've moved away from wigs weaves etc being coming from a space of like pleasing and servitude mm-hmm. into self-care and yeah excitement and fun for us and like oh, i'm gonna have a bob this week next week it's mm. gonna be this and like yeah, you can change it up however yeah, you like live like, our best lives see how I, I feel. Yeah, that's mm. yeah yeah 100 percent. i think um historically wigs were seen as a way of us conforming and being accepted into certain opportunities so yeah back in the day if you didn't pass something that was called the pencil test yeah in south africa in the, the 18 mm-hmm. yeah correct me if i'm wrong on the dates but um if What's the pencil the test? The pencil test is, is essentially where um, people would put a pencil through your hair and if you shook your head um, and the pencil would fall, then you would pass the pencil test because your hair wouldn't be coily or curly um, or black enough um, for you to be rejected from a building. So on the reverse of that, if you're, if you're, the pencil got stuck in your hair, then you'd be rejected from that opportunity or, or that establishment. So, for example, entering a church or literally just going into a building of respect like a law firm or a bank or something, or just an opportunity to further you as, as a person. Um, so you would get rejected on the basis of your hair um, because of that. And a lot of black people would go and wear wigs to pass this pencil test as a way of being accepted into society, Just, which is really sad if you think about it. People have time for No wonder yeah. we're in like our sixth apocalypse. Like imagine <laughs> if we just actually concentrated on the right things. Like it's true. wild. Mm ridiculous <laughs> talking of concentrating on the important things and the right things do you think this is a debate that 
men because you've you've talked a little bit kevin about mm. um you've deferred to women having a harder time it being a more important issue for for black women do you think it's a debate which black men um sometimes see as unimportant or really understand do you think that sometimes this is seen as a quote-unquote woman's issue i think so 100 percent, mainly because hair is often um related to femininity as, as kevin kind of alluded to like um People often associate hair with beauty and the fact that women are often seen as kind of beauty symbols in the media. I blame the media 100% for that. Um, but that doesn't mean that men can also kind of use and express their hair as something that's beautiful. But for um, men to cut off their hair is, is not as it's not seen as something that's expected in society for a man to have typically have long hair. Sure, they can, but it's it's a norm in, I think, women. And that's why it's seen as, you know, a women's issue, which I don't think it is. I think it's a universal issue completely. 100%. But there's more emphasis on women because of the way in which we kind of use our hair or wear and, our hair. And that is, just to add to that quickly, uh, is a really, like, Eurocentric mm-hmm. um, thing as well. Because, again, back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of the pencil test and things like that and what is professional and what is what isn't deemed um, professional half mm-hmm. the time whenever i question any of these things or anything within my life like is that good enough should i be doing this or not i really always have to ask the question sorry whose ruler am i using mm-hmm. uh, and more time um the ruler that i am referring to in that moment straight away is um societal eurocentric and i'm like cool throw the ruler away let's start again Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When, Stephanie, you talked about the fact that you relaxed your hair as a, as a teenager and you talked about your hair journey. Yeah. Did embarking on that hair journey, not relaxing your hair, challenge your perceptions of your own sense of beauty? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I was often quite, like, scared or anxious about wearing my hair out and people seeing, like, it in full force because it's quite, it's quite a big, wide afro. Um, you'll see pictures if you would like. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just felt kind of like a lot of people would have more to say to me about my hair when I had it out. So there was more kind of attention or um, people trying to touch it, you know, the classic microaggression that we spoke about before. Literally, I was at a bus stop and I had my hair out going to some 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 event and a girl was stood next to me just touching my hair. And I had no idea. I thought it was Black the wind. Black girl, white girl. It was a white girl um, standing, just touching my hair, just stroking it. And I thought it was the wind. So it was happening, happening for quite a while until I turned around and realized it was actually someone touching my hair. I turned around and just kind of stood there kind of frozen because I was in shock. Just why are you touching my hair? And then she smiled, didn't really say anything, continued to touch it. And then I asked her, why are you doing this? She's like, oh, it's really fascinating. And then I went, yeah, no, that's not okay. So I stepped away and she didn't actually move. I had to move for something that she did to me so again i didn't realize at the time that was a microaggression and an invasion of my privacy to be honest with you because personal space yeah <laughs> so so what is this because you know obviously there's there's songs about it people mm-hmm. talk about it what is this whole thing about wanting to touch black hair it's it's wanting to, it's not only wanting to touch black hair it's it's just wanting to like in general own black bodies because mm-hmm. there's an entitlement there of you are subhuman. Yeah, you're you're an animal yeah. in a way. You're dehumanizing someone by petting them as well. Because a lot of the time people would see and compare our hair to wool and fur and just that was a justification for treating us the way that they did because they dehumanized it. You know, the whole um really huge misconception that we can't feel pain was them to try and justify, oh, they can't feel pain, it's fine if we, ha- like, you know, treat them in the, in these really inhumane ways. And I say inhumane with emphasis on that because they did not see us as human. human. Yeah, exactly. So that's why they, they feel the need to subconsciously kind of pet it. I guess there are ways in which people are curious because it's different or, you know, so, it feels different. But So can I just make explicit what I think I'm hearing? Mm. So you're saying there's a direct line from white people wanting to touch our hair to basically seeing us as petting us like animals to the justification of slavery. Yeah, to an it's, extent, yeah. yeah there's a timeline there of you go over, you kidnap people, um, they have no rights, um, mm-hmm. um, no rights, no, no, no protections. Uh, they are raped, killed, farmed, Oh, actually, regardless if you two are related, I think you two being together would make an amazing, strong uh, baby. Let's do that. Literally treated like cattle to, okay, where slavery is not a thing anymore, but all of the constructs and and structures around it are still going to 
be in place. Okay, if you are going to work in a workplace, you have to do this and do this. You're also going to get paid less. You can never get promoted to this level. All of these things that we know, right? To Mm -hmm. what does that do to the subconscious, I guess, of like uh, white mainstream society as that's gone on? Mm -hmm. There is an undertone of like, you're less than. In my, like, why would I ever just walk up to anyone and just be like, hi? Yeah. Or just, it it doesn't make any sense. Or like... Without consent, no permission, just invading your space because they feel entitled. Right. Or, you know, subconsciously, as we were saying, that's just how they feel. They're like, oh, I can do this because I haven't been stopped before by the structures of society. They've allowed me to kind of, you know, live this carefree life without... Um, fear of of being kind of microaggression, if that is even a phrase. But yeah, <laughs> it's just saying, microaggressed. It, microaggressed, yeah. With with broach slavery, we're talking about um, uh, microaggressions and in the office in, at the bus stop. So we're definitely in the land of racism. Mm-hmm. Stephanie, explain the Halo Code. Yes, so the Halo Code is essentially a pledge that the Halo Collective, the campaign um, that we created to establish the protection, the championing and just the recognition of black hairs that professional spaces like schools and workplaces can take. So once they they adopt the Halo Code, um, we carry out kind of like workshops, training sessions for their employees um, and school uh, members like students to understand why they've adopted the Halo Code and what this means for their establishment to get rid of all these, you know, racialized policies that we've heard about. Some haven't even been documented. These these are just, you know, the small ones that have reached the press, like the Ruby Williams case in 2019. A hackney schoolgirl was sent home countless amount of times excluded because of the way in which her hair just grew people were complaining about how big it was like, i can't see the board just move like <laughs> to be yeah. honest just move so, so um, to explain that to me right really simply so there was a a black girl with natural hair yeah and she was cool. excluded yeah from she was school? excluded from school uh, quite a few times her teachers were also trying to kind of like tie her hair up they even got hair bands for her to tie her hair up but she was comfortable with wearing her hair just out in an afro and her mum actually took this case to the equality and human rights commission and said this is that this is discrimination this is a form of racial discrimination because you're not saying this to you know other people that may have kind of like big hair but it's not an afro because of the way it looks so why should my daughter have to go through isolation of education just because of the way her hair grows and eventually this was a three-year case eventually she got um £8,500 in compensation but that was through her mum kind of advocating for hair discrimination and the fact that people don't know it's a thing but it is a form of racial discrimination that can be dated back as we've spoken about the pencil test you can see it's been used as a racialized barrier consistently to you know, isolate people from those kinds of opportunities. Simply, like, a basic human rights schooling. Like, it, it's ridiculous just to hear about it. But, um, yeah, that's what the Halo Code is trying to kind of eradicate and um, increase awareness of. Can I, I give, like, another example of, like, a personal example of that? Um, anytime I travel, you will never know if I will actually make it out of the country. Um or be detained by security because I am always arguing with um, the people that pat you down mm. because nine times out of ten, okay, we need to pat down your hair. Are you okay? Ridiculous. 
And I refuse every time, like, no, I've just stepped through an X-ray machine. Like, why would you need to pat down my hair? Yeah, if there was something hair, they would have seen it. Right. Meanwhile, so-and-so hair, so-and-so hair with a bun as big as mine, white. Yeah, go through, madam. And so I make a point of arguing. So it's always like, please, can you just... Like, no, like, I'm always going to argue that point because it's, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like those cartoons... In, in, in the cartoons where the, somebody was being broken out of jail and they put, like, a thing in a cake or, like... It's ridiculous. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's ridiculous. But it always... Nine times out of ten, um, it happens. And I'm just always like, cool, maybe I won't get on this flight today because I'm not going to have it. As... Well, as those instances of direct discrimination, what about indirect discrimination? So, working in the film industry, there have been uh, a kind of, I'm not sure if this is the correct term, but a black hair tax. Mm. And so, the black hair tax is where white um, actors have got their makeup artists and got their hairstylists, and uh, they can get their hair done on set. A lot of black actors, black presenters feel that the white hairstylists don't know what they're doing. So one, they need to take time out of the filming schedule to go to a black stylist. And so that is a tax in terms of time. Mm. And they then also have to pay for it themselves. Are you familiar with instance of a, of a black hair? I mean, um, you work in, in film. Yeah, Kevin. 100%. I'm also... Um I'm the co-founder of um, POC, which stands for People of Culture Collective. So that initially started out as a um, a WhatsApp group. Me and my co-founder, while in like advertising in these spaces, really clocked that it was just us two. Kept bucking in rooms and was like, why are we the only two black people in all of these rooms when we're working on these things, you know? And I'm just talking about going to different agencies and ending up on... Advertising agencies. Yes, and ending up on the same piece of work. Um, and she's a producer and I'm creative. And so we just decided to start this WhatsApp group. Generally thought it was going to have like 10, 20 people in it. By the end of that first week, we had reached capacity. Um, capacity being how many? Uh, at that time, I think the capacity on WhatsApp was like 240. And we were like, oh, okay, like we need to find a way to broaden this and, and all these things. So this is nearly five years ago now. Um and we have like over a thousand members now and we have different like services. Um, I say all of that to say because part of our services is POC productions and working across productions. And also I'm obviously a film um, maker. And it goes back to that conversation we were kind of having before we came in of when your team is really diverse and informed and um, inclusive, all of those things are considered. So we would never just hire like a hairstylist that can only do... Um, one type of hair. Um, that's useless and, and kind of embarrassing. Mm. Yeah. What's the point? <laughs> <laughs> black hair and finances. Because mm. like we are just talking about a black tax mm. or black hair tax. How much does black hair, how important is black hair to black British economy? And, almost, and also, you're saying you can spend up to four hours longer. Mm. How hard is it on your wallet? As well, so I'd be curious It's really about. straining on your wallet, I think, just because there are so many different products that different black hair types need for, you know, us to maintain the health of our hair. And I think it's also, we're seeing it a lot more now, like, you know, huge um, kind of companies like Superdrug, like, like Boots, 
having black hair sections that they didn't have before. Mm -hmm. So before that happened, I think it was the whole 2020 thing where everyone kind of woke up, I feel. Um, We would have to go online and look for products, always kind of from America, I feel. I feel like a lot of... If if they were in those stores, it was (laughs) right in the back on one little shelf that had bare dust on it next to uh, zip cream. Yeah, and because because there's not... (laughs) So accurate, that description. Because there's not much of it, it's obviously going to increase in price because there's not there's just not much of it. So it is very straining on the wallet, I think, especially because, you know, we need like people need or they want wigs, um, which can be quite expensive, especially if you want a good quality wig and braids and everything. And as Kevin was saying earlier, we spend like four hours just doing our hair, mm. you know, because we, we want it to be the best that it can be and feel comfortable in our hair. So I do feel like it takes <laughs> it takes a lot of strain financially on your wallets. Yeah. But the quality of that is I assume that it has helped set up numerous black businesses, yeah. barbershops, yeah. salons, yeah. hair product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and and um, all of that is true, but within that as well, it's the investment in yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's part of the self-care. You're investing <laughs> in uh, black businesses. Um, but yeah, it's really expensive. Um mm. Okay. But um, I don't want to say that hair brand, but worth it. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to plug them. No, no. <laughs> okay, then fine. We're, we're just getting we're getting to the end. Um, I'm just going to explore the. I so said the podcast is Black British Lives Matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just want to briefly explore the the British part. All right. Um, is there a British element to to black hair? Are there certain hairstyles which are um which are more prevalent, do you think, which are are more British when you go abroad? Do you think that black hair has been... Uh, how important do you think it's been in shaping a black British identity? Is there a British element? There might not be. It's difficult to say when, you know, all of us come from very different like countries. Like, we've said that we're, we're both Jamaican, so I think we're all Jamaican here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I feel like, yeah, there are certain hairstyles, like we said, the Rastafarian. Other black religion. countries exist. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, That is true. But um, <laughs> that was the first one that came into my head, like the Rastafarian culture is, is predominantly, from, from my understanding, in Jamaica. Um, so they have to wear locks, so I associate it with that. But there's also the Afro, which I think is just huge, especially, you know, when Michael Jackson and Jackson 5 kind of came out with the Afro. So that, that's when it gained kind of popularity in that aspect, especially for men with Afros as well. Um, Olive Morris is, is a huge political activist, predominantly based in, in Brixton. I feel that is very British South London when she sported the Afro and everything, especially when she was, you know, doing her protests and, and activism so i do feel like there are elements of it but again there are other countries (laughs) that have you know those hairstyles too we've come to the end yeah right (laughs) but i want to make sure that um i would like to try and end on on a positive Mm -hmm. you've both talked about hair journeys for people that might be listening um who are going on their own hair journeys are there any books or anything that you would recommend um, people to do to help them on on their hair journeys. Yeah, I mean, the first book that came to mind was Emma Debiri's "Don't Touch My Hair." It's a brilliant book about hair discrimination, but also um, Emma's kind of personal experience of accepting her hair, particularly being like the only black um, person in in Ireland 
which is very, very white. Um, so it, it just teaches you kind of, yeah, to accept your hair and um, know in the way that you care for it as well. And I related a lot to that because that was very much my kind of university life because I went to university in, in the north of England, which is very different to Croydon, I must say. <laughs> and I wish I did research beforehand because of, you know, Croydon's a very diverse place, so you see a lot of people from different regions of the world. So that was, I was very much kind of at an advantage there being exposed to that. But without that exposure, you're you're not going to be able to kind of recognise that that value. So again, putting yourself in those spaces as well, um, can help you recognise the value for your hair as well. Kevin, are there any films, books, um, heroes, heroines that people should should know about for for their hair journey? Um, I won't specifically say any films or book. I think there's like you, you can name the, your own films if you want, Kevin. I'll, you know, no, <laughs> oh, no, no. Um, I think um, okay, I will. So there's <laughs> so there's nestled and there's wool. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few others as well that I touch and, and nestled was like you know from the space of um, it's called that because there is a thing of when you're getting your hair done traditionally or normally or in my experience and a few others you were nestled and sat between your mother's your aunt's legs whoever it is mm-hmm. um, getting your hair yeah. done and it's a very safe uh, space and, and that was the kind of point of that film just to highlight how wonderful that is and how lovely that is Um my answer would be, there's like this old Jamaican film called Smile Orange. It's like really problematic in spaces, but... It's a great film, though. It's a great film. You know, like the lady, yeah. the woman who answers the phone and like the, her skin tone is it's beautiful in her hair and just moments like that, it's like it just gives you a complete vibe. But yeah. Yeah. Stephanie, Kevin, final, final question. If people want to know more about Halo collective mm-hmm. um where should they go what should they look up mm-hmm. simple search on google halo collective but also we've got insta page as well um we're hoping to kind of like launch a linkedin page as well soon um so we're kind of in the midst of that but um most active page is probably the instagram page so okay. yeah and kevin if people want to see your films nestled or wool or know more about your work um Probably just on Instagram at kevinmorosky.com and then everything is there in that magical link tree thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Thank you both so much for joining um, me today and explaining why black hair, black British hair, um, black South London hair <laughs> yeah. um, matters. Um, I don't think I'll go to the barbershop in quite the same way again um, or pass a hair salon. Or or shave. I mean, you you both described your hair. My hair is. I shaved my hair clean this this morning, and we didn't talk about um, bald heads in in the black community. So maybe we should we should do that. That would be that would next be time because that is a definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is a hairstyle which is obviously should be acknowledged as well. I'm sure. Okay, but thank you so much and showing and explaining why black hair is part of our identity, culture, and who we are. Thank, thank you. you. For having thank us. you. So, Lenny, you were listening to all of that. What did you think? I'll be honest, you know, Black British Hair Matters is not an issue I'd really thought about too much before. I know there's a massive issue for a lot of black actors of what we call a black hair tax, which is the fact that often on a film set, they don't have hairdressers on sets who can do black hair. So black actors have to find their own barbers or hairdressers. It's an extra cost and they aren't on set, so it takes more time out of your workday. It's a big issue. 
But listening to Stephanie and Kevin, you realise that it is literally in almost every part of our lives. Not being an actor and being follically challenged, I hadn't really thought about the black hair tax. I found that absolutely fascinating. I love it when a podcast gives me things I'll be thinking about long after it finishes. Good work, my child. Just don't get too cocky and do too many episodes without me. Next week, the podcast is covering one of the biggest issues black people across the world are talking about. <laughs> Listen to this. Reparations. I will definitely be there and we'll be joined by the fantastic Kahindi Andrews and reparations expert Esther Stanford O.C. The big payback. How? Baby! Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.